Dear beauty business babe, I see you grinding. I hear your fears. I know that you're ready for more. Hey girl, my name is Kelly Callahan and I'm here to sprinkle a little bit of business, a little bit of mindset, and a whole ton of love and inspiration to help you light you up along the way. Because if I can build a half a million dollar beauty brand in just a few years, I know that you can too. This podcast is dedicated to the beauty business babe who is ready to take radical responsibility for her life. I don't know it all, but I do know a lot and I am willing to teach you everything I've learned along my journey. I believe that you absolutely have it in you to create the life and the business that you dream of. And with a little bit of help, you can get there even faster than I did. I am here to fully support you. I am here to help guide you. Take what you want from these free trainings from this podcast so you can go further, faster in your business and in your life. So let's talk business, let's embody mindset, and don't forget to join the rest of the Beauty Business Tribe on our free Facebook group called Beauty Business Babes. Let's get down to business, girl. Hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Beauty Business Babes podcast. This is your girl, Kelly Callahan, and today we are going to be talking to Tara Walsh of The Lashpreneur. If you do not know Tara, you got to get to know her because she is freaking awesome. She helps lash artists gain momentum in their beauty business through marketing mindset and just business strategies. She was one of our speakers at the Wake Up to Level Up virtual event in 2020, and I'm hoping that I can steal her to be one of our speakers at the Beauty Business Base Conference that's coming up in 2021. Fingers crossed. <laughs> to be determined. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Make sure you get a pen, a paper, and take some notes. You're going to love it. Tara, if you can just give them, for those who don't know who you are, a brief overview of who you are, what you do, and how you got into the beauty industry. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, I'll try to keep that brief then. Um, <laughs> so I have a business degree. I, I majored in business management back at San Diego State and did the whole corporate rat race for about eight years in corporate sales and marketing, new business development, and really hated this dog eat dog world that I was in. So much so that it just, I decided I wanted to go back to restaurant work and just do that while I built out a family. Well, as fate stepped in, I ended up getting pregnant and about 16 weeks later, I miscarried and that just shook my world. So what I thought was going to be my planned destination quickly got turned upside down. And it was through my grief and kind of processing the grief of losing our daughter that I decided all bets were off and expectations were off of me that I can do whatever feels good to me at that moment. And that was when I gave myself permission to go to beauty school. You know, as somebody who grew up with these expectations that you're going to go have this corporate office somewhere, you're going to be mid-level management. Like that was the dream that I was working towards. Going to beauty school was the complete left turn from that. Uh, and so really I look at that as like the gift that losing that child gave me. And so I look for a lot of those gifts of things that have happened to me that are amazing things in my life now that wouldn't have happened had that baby come to be, including my current two children. But then when I got into the beauty world, I was really curious about the business side of beauty and really struggled to find any details on how to make that work and how to make that grow. Because especially back, this was around 2013, it was very much 
a catty kind of, I'm not going to share any secrets with you because you're my competitor and I would never risk my business by sharing information to you. I'm not going to tell you my products or where I got trained or how I get clients. So it felt very lonely and isolating. And so when I finally stepped out to own my own business after working under somebody else for the first two year or year or two from, uh, of my career, I really stumbled a lot those first three months and spent a lot of money on marketing and advertising that I thought was going to work that just ended up costing me money and having no clients. And so as my Hail Mary kind of like at the buzzer shot of trying to give my business a chance, I hired a business coach. And that really was the game changer for me to not only have that support of having a coach, but also to kind of reignite what I had experienced in the corporate world and what I had learned in, in college of like, I actually do know how to run a business. I just didn't have the experience of it. And she was giving me implementation and practical ways to do that. And from there, I just fell in love with the business side of running a business. And I grew my business to be, you know, as a solo artist, I was doing about a little over $8,000 a month. And I was working about 14 days a month. And that was great. And then I got bored as most entrepreneurs do. Right. And so I was like, what's the next thing? I don't always want to be behind the chair. And so I thought building out a team was that. And then I went through all the way up to like ready to offer someone a position. I was like, I just don't want to oversee people and tell them, like grown adults to get off their phones basically is what I didn't want to do. Right. And so I had this kind of in the back of my head of, I really want to focus on the business side of beauty. And I saw the opportunity, especially in the lash world, that there really wasn't much business support, much less coaching that's a whole different world than just business curriculum. And so that's kind of where the lash room was born. So I've been doing that for the last four years. I am a retired master lash artist and now full-time in the lash floor and business coaching beauty business owners. That's so awesome. So you and I have a very, very similar story. I too was doing the corporate life and realizing this is not for me and then ended up just jumping into spray tanning. So while we had different services, we are very much similar in the sense of how our- wonder we click. Right, I know. And I noticed you always wear hats too, and I always do, (laughs) not today. (laughs) But yeah, uh, well, mom life, you know, like the last thing I want to do in quarantine when I got to get, you know, my kids up and just manage them all day is like, put myself together so yeah I mean that's like my life period quarantine or not so it's all you can't get in to get your hair done and when you're blonde and not naturally that way it's it's a problem it's a struggle right (laughs) right so I love hearing about your story too and how you were able to just kind of look at the opportunities and the obstacles that you face because obviously you went through a lot and then now growing into what is now COVID you have your online business that was already established. And so I wanted to kind of get like more of an insider's view of how that was for you coming from a place of working with people one-on-one into the online space. Cause I think a lot of people are terrified of doing that. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, the thing is, is that you have to go in with any growth or pivot in your business with an open mind of it's not going to be the best thing ever. And it's not going to be the worst thing ever. It really is. You get to choose your perspective. Right. And that's something that even through entrepreneurship, whether it's online and in person, it being running a business is personal development on crack. You have a direct tie to the results you get. And if you don't like the results you get, you can't blame anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're trying to blame team members, well, who hired the team member? Right. So it all comes back to you. And if you're not willing to go on that journey, right, if you're just focused on I'm getting to a destination, you're going to be miserable. You have to enjoy the journey and the process that you go through, no matter what comes your way. Yes. There is a global pandemic happening. It's something that nobody in this lifetime has ever experienced, but you're going to run into issues in your business 
regardless of whether there's a pandemic or not. And so it really is just you being able to adapt and evolve and see what opportunities are available to you. When you come from this victim mindset where things, things are happening to you and not for you, how motivating is that? How much more are you going to want to impact other people's lives or, you know, get over the fear of what this might be or this perfectionism of it has to be this way or I'm not doing it at all and just go along for the ride and see where that takes you. Because if you really do approach life and especially your business of everything is happening for my better good, that's gonna be so much more motivating. You're gonna be so much more appreciative and grateful of the journey you're on rather than this stress cycle that a lot of entrepreneurs get in where they're miserable and they're really not better off running their own business. And especially when hard times hit. I think one of the, the flaws in thinking is that, you know, you should never have problems in your business. And that's the goal that you're working towards is to never have a problem in your business. It's unrealistic. It's not true. It's just how, how you manage and navigate those problems. And even seeing that there is no problem in your business, there's only solutions to be found that you don't quite know yet. And it's just all perspective shifts in my, my ever so humble opinion. <laughs> I agree with you hundred percent because I definitely grew a lot throughout my entrepreneurial journey. And I was, I don't consider myself to ever be a like a very negative person, but I definitely wasn't as positive or as aware as I am now. And so yeah. growing into the mistakes and leaning into all the things that I've done good and bad, I've been able to gain this perspective of it's okay. It's all going to be okay. What can I learn from this and how can I grow and manage my business and become better because of whatever it is that happened? Yeah. We, especially in my team, like as I've moved into building out a team and that's a whole other skill set you got to learn that doesn't necessarily come natural to people, especially not to me, is we celebrate mistakes in the business because yes, I can teach you the step-by-steps and the processes of how to do something in the business, but there's a lot of things that I can't, I don't want to micromanage you to oversee every little step and be like, don't do that because I see what's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. when the team makes a mistake and they learn from it, they then take ownership of it that I never have to teach them that lesson or I don't have to stay on top of them to try not to do it again that it's their own leadership or their own learning experience. And so when we can be that gentle and loving to ourselves too, on that journey of business ownership of like, wow, I really learned a painful lesson there. Like it's, I, even I've been going through that. I feel like there's this transformation that's happening in my business. And right now I'm going through the breakdown before the breakthrough, but I have to go through these hardships in order to learn and evolve and get the ideas that are waiting for me on the other side of it. And I will say of being in business long enough as I've been, you start to get used to kind of these ebbs and flows. I will say for me, like, I know there's something major happening in my business when I'm on Craigslist looking for jobs. And I'm like, it would be so much easier to go work for somebody else and have them write my paycheck because it's that struggle. It's like, I need to like entertain just throwing everything away and burning it all down because there's something great on the other side of it. I just, it's like, you almost need to like hit rock bottom, but it becomes less dramatic and less like defining of your life when you're used to these kinds of ups and downs that just are a part of running a business. That's so, so good. And I love all of the analogies and the stories that you just told in that whole little snippet right there. One of the things that keeps on coming up for me as you were speaking is just the fact that a lot of women that are listening right now and really the whole world, like we are in this really low, quote unquote, low space for most people, right? There's all unexpected. We, there's no security. There's no stability. There's no certainty with anything that's going on right now. So to the women who are right now struggling, who are in the beauty industry, who have a salon, who maybe had to close down, who are fearful of closing down again, 
what would you tell them in the moments that are happening right now? Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting because I feel like you have nailed it with what everybody's perspective is. It's like, I have no control. I have um, no ability to earn an income. My business is shut down. What we need to recognize during these times, like, yes, and, and I am not one to shy away from mental health. I've been on antidepressants and struggle with anxiety. So like I am an open book when it comes to mental health and the struggles that that brings. When we look at what's happening right now, again, it's, it's, it's a victim versus a survivor mindset. So oftentimes that's used in like domestic violence situations that, you know, somebody, when they're a victim, they feel out of control of what happened to them. Whereas when they're a survivor, it's a perspective shift that's more empowering to them to feel like, look what I've been through and how I made it through it. And it's just that much more empowering when you come from this survivor mindset of I made it through and I'm not done. Like my life is not over. It's, it doesn't define me. I get to choose how I move forward in life. Because here's the thing is that we actually never control anything external to us. It is just on everybody's awareness. Now you may have thought that maybe you were in control that, you know, I didn't have a choice to shut down. You did have a choice. You did. You could have chosen not to shut down and risk losing your license or risk being sent to jail or risk getting your family sick. In all of that, you had choice. You just may not have seen it as that was a choice you were making because everybody collectively was making that choice. You also have to be careful about what you're feeding your brain during times when there's a lot of fear going on in the world because anytime you're logging online or you're doing the doom scroll, like my new favorite term for the COVID is people jumping on Instagram and you can't find a single positive thing because everybody's freaking the freak out. And that is what you're, you're being surrounded with. How are you ever going to have a positive thought or even embrace the fact that you actually get more time right now, which a lot of people complained about previous to COVID that they never had time to do anything, right? Well, now you have all the time in the world, yet you still don't have the results you want. So maybe it's not time. So this is an opportunity to look at how is the coronavirus happening for you? How can you look five, 10 years down the road and look at this as the transformation that was the best thing that happened to you? Regardless of whether you were in control of it, you get to choose your viewpoint of it. And that's tying it back to the miscarriage. I, that was the most devastating thing I've ever been through. Losing a baby at 16 weeks pregnancy when you have a whole plan of what your life is going to look like with that child is devastating. Losing anybody is devastating. But you can choose to look at the good that can come from that because there's always where there's good, there's also bad. It's just the parallels of the universe. And so you can go through your process, allow yourself to be sad, allow yourself to be human and not resist or judge yourself for feeling the way you do. Just don't stay there forever because there is a gift that you bring to this world. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have a gift to bring. And by you continuing to stay woe is me. I'm the victim. This is happening to me, not for me. You're really preventing yourself from getting to a place where you are empowered and you are feeling good no matter what the world throws at you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's my soapbox, but it's really, it's really a matter of choice of if I had to identify the positives, if I had to, somebody forced me to, what could I look at that's happened over the past four or five months and be grateful for? And likely for a lot of people, it's that they've gotten more time back. Maybe they've spent more time with their kids. Maybe they've made decisions that they were too afraid to make previously, but when all bets are off, they're making that decision and it feels good. Maybe it's that they realize the value of being in person and the hugs that they get from family members that they can't do right now. All of this is happening for you. We just may not have enough distance from it 
to see the hindsight picture of like, wow, that really transformed me. But if you can choose to start to see even just the little things now that are good in your life, that maybe wouldn't have happened otherwise with no pandemic. And so if you can choose those things now, you'll start to get in the habit of doing that more frequently. And then you'll start to see those things. Anytime a problem comes up, you can actually see, I actually need to find a solution, not focus on the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you just nailed it right there. It's like focusing on the solution rather than the problem. Cause I've too have done this before where I was aware and I was just like, okay, this is a problem. This is the problem. And it's like, no, there's so much to be grateful for so much to be thankful for. So how can I change my perspective and continue doing that on a consistent basis? Because it's not just this one time you're fixed type of thing. It's consistent work. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I think we kind of get addicted to this, this roller coaster, right? Like we get so used to being in chaos because it is really tough and kind of, there's a lot to learn right off the bat that you kind of get addicted to that, like ups and downs. And so sometimes we create problems just so that we can fix them. So we feel needed. And it's really this kind of bigger picture perspective of, is this really a problem or is it just that I'm feeling a disconnect and I'm not actually in alignment with what I want in my life. So if you are really excited about, you know, starting a product line or, you know, an e-commerce shop, but you've been so tied to your physical business and your one-to-one services that you haven't had the time to do that. And now you're scared to jump into the e-commerce thing, even though the physical business side is, you know, maybe it's secure, maybe it's not. What is the resistance to just going all in? What is it you're making that mean if you test it out? Maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's perfectionism jumping in, which is just fear disguised that you're not going to be good enough. So how can you start to look at your own thoughts around something that you're fearing or you're, you're resistant to, to really either get connected to the fact of like, I'm all in on this, come hell or high water, I'm going to figure this out. And the fear is just like, I don't know what it's going to happen, but it's also excitement. Or is it fear and paralyzation because it actually isn't in alignment with you want with what you want. You just saw some shiny object of what somebody else's business looked like. And you're like, Oh, that's the key to freedom or that's the key to financial security and stability. Cause really what you're looking for is security and stability, but you're looking externally for that by shiny objects or like, Oh, she's got a, she's got a hundred thousand dollar business doing online products and she vacations and has a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. You really want the lifestyle and the feeling that that stuff would bring you not necessarily the path that that person that you're drooling over on Instagram is taking. So it's just a good reflection piece of just getting really committed to what is it I actually want and asking yourself that. Yeah. The vision has to be stronger than the fears that are going to come up. That's for sure. Oh, that's so good. That's (laughs) so good. I see an Instagram quote coming up. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag I'm Kellyanne. So pivoting over to kind of, well, a deeper conversation than what we've been talking about in terms of strategy and tips and things that people can actually take from our conversation right now and actually implement into their marketing strategies. Because I know that you've done this for yourself. I've done this for myself. And it's been such a learning experience that has been so monumental for me personally, because if I don't have marketing, I don't have anything. And I know you Yeah, that's true for any business. If you don't understand marketing, you probably shouldn't be in business because it's, how are you going to get customers? Right. So I know that you had started off working one-on-one with clients doing lashes, right? Yep. And then you went into the online space. You now have your membership model and you are marketing through different platforms on, you know, online. Yeah. What is your number one favorite platform to use when it comes to getting clients? Oh man. 
I have to pick a favorite. It's like picking a favorite child. For me, honestly, um, email marketing is probably my number one go-to, but we use Instagram pretty heavily to do that, to get people onto our email list to nurture that relationship. Let's tie the two together. So you go ahead and talk a little bit about Instagram and your strategies with that. Do you have a couple of tips that people can use today and implement today to see a difference in what they're currently doing right now? Yeah. And this is great because this is what I'm going to talk about at Wake Up Level. You more or less, if you don't know who you serve, what problem they have and how you solve it, no matter what marketing platform you choose, they're not going to be effective. So if you're finding like, I'm posting on Instagram, I'm doing what everybody else is doing. I'm posting before and after photos. I'm using hashtags and I'm just not getting clients and it doesn't work. Is it the platform that doesn't work or is it your strategy with it? Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing with, especially our entire online marketing world is based on some sort of algorithm. Every marketing platform has an algorithm because really the key here is that these are paid companies. These are for-profit companies that profit off of advertisers. So people like you and me who run Facebook ads, Instagram ads, YouTube ads, whatever, that's how they make their money. They don't care about the business owner. They really don't. They don't care about you and me. They're there to make money. They don't care about the user experience. All they care about is keeping people on the platform more. So that is their main priority because when people are on the platform more, they get exposed to more advertising and the company makes more money. So when you have this basic understanding and you start to look at, okay, there's an algorithm involved here, how you hack the algorithm, you can actually make the algorithm work for you, not against you. But unless you understand what your audience wants to see from you and how you solve their problem, you're going to fight the algorithm every single time. You're gonna throw money into ads to reach 5,000 more people in your local area that are never gonna convert or be a potential customer of yours because you don't understand them. So I think what the gift that you and I have been on or like the thing that makes our marketing so effective is we understand the pain points of our target audience and how we specifically help them. And in the language that they use, you're struggling, like we can talk about marketing all day long, but when we say building a clientele, that rings a bell for service providers. That's what they want. Marketing for them, uh, for a lot of the audience is like this overwhelming complex. I don't know how to do it. I'm not good enough. I don't need to learn it, all that. But when you say building a clientele, which is the exact same thing, then all of a sudden their bells are going off because of just a little bit of a language shift. And we understand that that's what their pain point is. And we can help them build a clientele with what we teach. But if I say, I'm going to teach you marketing, it's less sexy. It's less appealing than I can build you a clientele because they're already making building a clientele mean I can get more money into my business and have more security and stability. Mm-hmm. So when you start to really get obsessed with who it is that you help and how you help them. And the more specific you can be on that person and their problem, the more it's going to be like taking candy from a baby. It's really going to be so much easier. You do much less selling when your marketing is on point because Mm -hmm. people are just knocking down your doors. They created this demand through your marketing because they feel like you get their problem and you are the hope to them getting the results that they want. Absolutely. Getting into your client's heads before they have to ask you a question. So I always recommend doing FAQs, like get the questions that your clients are asking you on a consistent basis, save it on your notes and your phone, and then repurpose that into content. Mm Because then they're going to be like, wow, she knows exactly what I'm thinking. How? Yeah. And if you're moving into into a whole different, like if you're pivoting your business and you're going from maybe service-based to online-based, you may not have the same audience for that. So we have this in the lash world where people go from being lash servicing lash clients to wanting to be an educator or product line. That's a completely different audience with completely different needs and completely different businesses. 
And again, when we're looking at the algorithm, if you're trying to use the same Instagram profile that you did to build out lash clients to then try and get in front of lash artists, your numbers are not going to work because you're going to have a whole following built of potential lash clients who then don't have the problem of, Hey, do you want to learn how to do more dense lashes or, you know, a perfect line or more density or volume fans? They don't have that problem. They don't care about that. So they're not going to engage. And thus the algorithm kicks in to work against you trying to build out this new business model. So if you're interested in going into the online space, I do recommend you having a completely separate platform. If you've built out an in-person business to then take it online and start serving the needs of that audience and that customer, because they're going to have different things that they're looking to you for. And so you can't really double dip, at least as far as Instagram's concerned of like trying to solve multiple people's problems with one platform because they're not the way the algorithm works. If they're not engaging with it, they're not going to see it. And then you have a big following of people who never will be a customer of this new business model. Right. That's so good because I think that's one of the questions that I get a lot is should I create a new Instagram for the even like private and business? I'm like, yes, keep the personal and your business completely. Nobody cares about your cat. Right. Or your, food. <laughs> <laughs> or your kids. It's really, it's such a different way to utilize. We'll just keep, keep with Instagram, utilizing yeah. Instagram for personal reasons and utilizing Instagram for business reasons. I actually don't have Instagram on my phone. I am never on Instagram, A, because I mental health want to protect myself and I have a team member who schedules stuff out and she can handle the DMs for the most part. I actually go on to Instagram on the desktop and I can control what I see, mm. but I don't go on there for, it's such a time waste. And when you're a business owner, your time is the most valuable aspect that you have. You can't spend hours doom scrolling and getting all psyched out in your head of what everybody else is doing in the shiny object syndrome. And, oh, I saw her post on this. I should be doing that in my business. That's I don't follow any of my competitors because I don't want to know what they're doing. I don't care. It, it's not my business and it's not up to me to know what they're doing. I want to be true in how I serve people. And so when we're looking at utilizing, you know, social media specifically for personal use, that's an entertainment and a connection platform for you to connect with fellow people, maybe, you know, whoever you follow to inspire you or make you feel good. Hopefully you're not following people who make you feel bad. It's just a waste of time. Right. But when you're using it for business, it's literally the only purpose is to get people to become customers. It's a part of the customer experience and journey and getting them to book an appointment. If you're on there for any other reason, what are you doing? It's a marketing platform. It's not, it's not anything else than that. Even when you're DMing people and connecting with, you know, your fellow peers, it really should be utilized for targeting customers so that you can spend time working in the business rather than scrolling endlessly on social media for no real results. Yes. And I am so guilty of this. So I'm just going to put it up. There. <laughs> you know, follow me. You guys know, I am constantly just putting stories up and all of these things, of course, for the most part, but that's for marketing. It's for the connection piece. People want, it's a, your personal brand, right? Yeah. So it is them getting connected with you and you're, I hope you're using that and maybe you're having a shift of perspective here that that is part of your marketing is that you're essentially a coach, right? Like they want to become you. It's a lifestyle type thing of like, wow, look at what Kelly can accomplish. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, she's pregnant and still growing these businesses. It's possible for me. Yeah. So there really is a strategy behind it, even though it feels like it's the same as personal use, but it's influencer marketing. Right, right. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I had to understand that as soon as I started creating the personal brand, because I wasn't for the beginning stages of my business, like yeah. one, two years. And once I pivoted into a personal brand, it really helped my business explode because I think people really, really want 
to connect with people. They don't want to just buy from a business. They want to see you and they want to trust you and they want to like you and all these things in order to buy from you. Which is exactly what social media is for. It is for the relationship building. Honestly, for social media, it's not where the conversion happens. That happens on your website. And so if you're utilizing social media without a website, you are missing out. You're leaving money on the table. You need to have a website because that's where all of the information about your business should live. Cause what am I supposed to do as a customer? Look through your last nine Instagram posts and like figure out what your business is. Think about that. Anybody listening are your last nine Instagram posts really what you want somebody making a decision about whether to work with you or not on It's probably a little dicey. So let's talk a little bit about how you were able to do that. The conversion. Yeah. you got the people on Instagram they're looking at you, they like you, they're vibing with you. And so how do you get them to go into your email marketing strategy? And can you talk a little bit about that funnel and how that works? Absolutely. So there's a word in the marketing world called the call to action. A CTA is often what it's called, but it's the call to action. It's what action do you take? What are the marching orders for somebody who's like, totally vibing on your post, loves it. What do they do? Like, comment, share, visit a website, DM you, sign up for a free download, something like that. So you, in every single post, I always recommend having some sort of call to action. So whether it is simply like, Hey, comment below, or like, let me know what you think about this shade of this tanner or whatever. I know nothing about the spray tan world. So (laughs) that was my attempt at it. Um, (laughs) but it's some sort of way for What is the purpose of that post? Don't post without a purpose. Otherwise it's just like this filler content on social media to make your feed look pretty. Mm -hmm. It's such BS. Mm -hmm. Like don't waste everybody's time, including your own. Have a post with purpose. So whatever the call to action is, like, comment, right? Those are engagement. So your whole purpose for that post is to get more people to see that post. So when people are liking, commenting, yes, they're having connection. If there is a, like a frequently asked question type post, that would be great opportunity to have them DM you. And start that relation, like DMs are the underrated, like underdog of social media, because that is where you have one-to-one connection with potential client. And it's so much more powerful and like easier to convert when you're having those one-on-one conversations. Mm -hmm. When in doubt and you don't know what the call to action is, send them to your website, have them go find something on your website, whether it's the services, whether it's the, if you have blogs, blogs are a great, great way to drive traffic to your website. What we want to avoid is getting people on our website and then sending them over to social media. Because again, the doom scrolling, it's like, you know, you're going to lose them. If you send the the goal is to get them to your website, because how do they book an appointment? Mm -hmm. Usually from your website. How do they find out where you're located, what your hours are, what your price point is, what services you offer, what makes you different than 20 other people that do the exact same thing with you in a mile radius. Lash artists are like Starbucks. There's one on every corner, but that doesn't mean that they're the exact same. And lash artists, if you've ever been pissed off by somebody else's work coming into your studio, you know, you have something that makes you different than somebody else. So this apples to apples comparison, this is where you can start on your website to differentiate yourself from everybody else. You can do market research on your competitors based on their website. If they don't have a website and all they have is booking software, what is usually the first thing that people see on booking softwares? Policies in all caps, bolded, red fonts, no, like no cancellations, hundred dollar deposit, like just yelling at people for past mistakes that you've made with managing your clientele. And all of a sudden this like potential customer is getting beat up verbally by your booking software. You laugh, but it's true. Like that's <laughs> Yeah. You want to be a little bit more inviting, right? Yeah, maybe we don't reveal our true colors until after they've paid us, but that's just my philosophy, you know, do you, but yeah, it really is. The whole goal is to get them to your website. So what happens once they get to your website? Obviously the, the goal conversion is to get them to book an appointment. 
but not everybody books an appointment right off the bat. So the beautiful thing about email marketing that is different than any other marketing that we do is that we actually own our email list. We don't own social media. We don't own the algorithm. We don't own Google ads, Facebook ads. They can, and they do change the game all the time. So if you're confused and you're just tired of like dealing with keeping up with the algorithm and whatever changes Instagram or TikTok or social media is making, then you need an email list because nobody's going to come in and change that for you. You can play the email game and you own that list. So if Instagram gets bought out, sold, TikTok shuts down, there's an outage nationwide, you know, Facebook just no longer allows businesses to advertise on there anymore. You still have the ability to connect with your clients through your email list. Your website can be a great place for you to start to build that email list, whether they're downloading a coupon, you know, first time customers can, you know, give you their email address and they get 20% off their first service. Or if there's like a free download of like the top five things to look for in a lash artist or a spray tan artist. And you're kind of like, you know, talking about you in like a not so, or in a like subtle kind of way of like, look for somebody who doesn't do lashes that get caught up in your eyebrows. This is how we protect natural lash health. So that's a way for you to start to build your email list. And this is honestly what I did in the first three months before I ever started charging for coaching was I just built an audience and built my authority through one minute lash biz tip of the day. So I was taking FAQs, I was doing a video on social media and because the social media timeline of something living on social media is about 10 minutes, I then would repost that on my website so that then it was searchable. And I would usually have some sort of download or something where they could go and sign up for my email list. After about three months of doing that, I got into weekly email marketing. So that is basically me nurturing my audience by sending them a weekly email whether it's I'm giving them another tip that's just an email or I'm sending them back to a blog post on my website or I'm talking about, you know, different strategies that they should be looking at. I was providing value through email because email actually has a really, really high open rate compared to social media. So social media, the organic reach is what, like 3%. Yeah. So if you have a hundred followers, three people are seeing your posts in email, you have a 30% open rate is on average 15 to 30%. So if I have a hundred people on the email list, I'm, gauging that 15 to 30 people are seeing my email rather than three people seeing a post. So there really is ways to get in front of your audience much more in email marketing. Plus you own that. So that can't go anywhere. You can always have the ability to connect with your customers. Well, the last point to that is once you start having stuff to offer and once you can start charging for it, then when you've built up this relationship of this weekly email, then you have kind of this, this seed you're planting for hundreds of people or thousands of people on your email list that you kind of get more leads consistently and more purchases consistently because you've had people on your email list for three years and you've had people on your email list for two months. And it's just this constant planting of seeds that you're going to harvest ongoing rather than just planting all your seeds in one season and harvesting later. Mm -hmm. So it really is beneficial for you for that long game. The beautiful thing about what I do with our podcast is we repurpose that everywhere. That's what our weekly email is. It's like a summary, a written summary of the podcast. There's obviously the audio for the podcast. There's social media posts where we take clips out of the videos and the audios of the podcast to then post on social media. So as a business owner, I'm now taking 15 to 30 minutes to do a podcast. And then I built out the process with my team where it's then getting repurposed in a lot of different places. So it's not taking up as much time, but I had to build up enough revenue in the business to be able to build out the team to be able to do that. And it all started with providing value and getting the audience into my email list. Yeah, that's all so many good takeaways from that. So many good takeaways. And I think one of the biggest things too, is that 
you mentioned something like indirectly and that is that all of this takes time <laughs> oh yeah it's so, not like an we're overnight. overnight successes after like four or five years like come yeah. on Seriously, it's and you know what? I think this is something that I see all the time in the Beauty Business Babes Facebook group that I have. We have like 7,000 women there from all over the world. They're all so, so engaged in this whole thing. But the thing that I see the most that just irks me so much is that they're like, I just started two weeks ago or a month ago and I don't have any clients. And it's like, girl, like you have to realize that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I think my record for somebody joining my program and complaining that they didn't have results was three days. Wow. <laughs> like three days. They're like, um, I'm not booked next week. And I'm like, hi, have you even watched a video? Like it's not osmosis where all of a sudden just by being in the environment, you're automatically geared. There's no get rich quick schemes. That's not what we're selling here. That's not online marketing. It's a business, whether you're doing physical or online, what the beauty about online businesses is that you get location independence. So you don't have to physically be tied somewhere. You get a scalable business model because you're not just tied to whatever your physical location is. You can be international and you get a little bit more freedom and flexibility with being able to hire people that are outside of your local government. Like here in California, it's freakishly expensive to hire people, right? We have minimum wage of $15 an hour. We have a team of virtual overseas VAs that we pay three to $400 an hour, which is a great living for them. And we get them to do a lot of the task-based stuff that I don't want to pay somebody $15 an hour or more to sit down and do. So you really get location independence and you get flexibility with your time and schedule. So that's the beauty of the online world, but it comes with its challenges too. And it comes with a lot more of a techie learning curve than if you just had a physical business. Absolutely. And, you know, to be honest with you, like I try to compare the two of whether I want to work one-on-one -on -one with clients or do the online space, obviously yeah. for me personally, like there's so much more opportunity to do the online coaching and mentoring and helping women. And plus for me, I love, love, love to see the results of that. I love yeah. the connection that I get. It's just two completely different worlds. And one might be better for you than the other. And that's totally fine. I say the strategies that you've helped teach today though, can be implemented in whatever regard that you're doing, whether you're a salon or whether you're doing the online stuff, you can use your strategies and your tips in whichever space that you choose to be in. So Tara, I want to thank you so much for your time. You are such a fun, energetic <laughs> person, person. I'm like girl, person, woman, <laughs> beauty boss. <Shouldn't> be. <laughs> yes human. And I just love, love, love talking. I was seriously like in my bed before I talked to you and now I have all this energy. So like, I'm ready to, you're welcome. I'm going to go <laughs> take a nap after this, after all this energy. <laughs> I love it. So where can people find you online? Yeah. At the Lashpreneur on any social platform, pretty much Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and then lessons of the Lashpreneur show is the podcast we have where they're about 15 minute episodes. You can listen to them on the commuter while you're doing your service and just quick little business tips. And, uh, yeah, you can See me speaking at Wake Up Level Up too. Yeah, yeah. She's going to be with me this weekend, August 8th and 9th. And we're going to be talking all things beauty, business, babe, marketing, and mindset stuff. So I can't yes, wait. It's so much fun. Yes. <laughs> all right, Tara, thank you so much. And thank you guys for tuning in. I love you guys a long time. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Beauty, Business, Babe. Bye. Bye.